Sons. So I want you to welcome my friend, my man from Promised Land, Pastor Mike Carrion. Come on. Yeah, buddy. We only go about two and a half hours, so, you know. Praise God. Somebody clap for PJ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. That's your pastor. Somebody clap. Somebody make some noise. I am so honored to be here. I don't know what to do with myself when I got the invitation because, uh, you know, there's a circle. There's a community of pastors, you know, urban, South Bronx, Northeast Bronx, Bronx, Metro Connecticut, New Jersey uh, uh, gathering, and he is the cool pastor among us. Everybody else is trying to get the same haircut, the same clothes, the same swag, you know? I was up this morning early, not praying and fasting, trying to match my tie with my, because I knew where I was going, you know what I'm saying? He got him, he got his, Pastor Mark in the building, you know? What was that? What, what, what was that, the Miami Vice? They're the Miami Vice pastors, they come in, they got, I know some of you don't remember that show. You're too young. I know I get it. But that's when TV was TV. Somebody say amen. amen. This is the South Bronx section of the service. Let me apologize in advance. I believe that uh, my man's in them. I believe that uh, God is going to meet you because I believe that God has a word for you. Uh, giving glory and honor to all that God is doing at Sanctuary through the servants of this house. I love what my brother stated. Uh, as he testified, he said they make it look easy. Uh, what God has put in my heart is not, is not to discuss how easy they make it look. What God has put in my heart, I believe, is a word for this church, for you to understand the complications, the complexity, and the depth that it takes to pastor and to lead a people under the anointing of Jesus the Christ. And so if you would bear with me, extend your hands toward me as I pray. It would be a waste of time to hear from me. Let's dive right into what God has. He's already moved. He's already set the atmosphere. He's already deconstructed, I believe, strongholds and pop chains. And I let every heart be ready to receive what God would say to them. Father, I pray that you hide me now. Touch my mouth. Move me out of the way. Father, I pray that you release once again a revival in this place. I pray and I claim, oh God, in your name. Father, not just this sanctuary, not just the people in front of me, but this entire community, God. I pray from a place of overflow. I pray from a place of breakthrough that you would release end time revival through this ministry, God. I thank you for what you've done through these servants. I I thank you that they've been found faithful. I thank you for those that have been drawn here by your presence and for your name's sake, oh God. And now, Lord, I pray that you take us to a place we cannot get to in our own strength, oh God. That you take us to a place where we meet Kronos and Kairos, oh God, and that you would be high and lifted up. Father God, draw men to yourself. Remove, oh God, anything that's not of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Tell your neighbor it's about to pop off. Come on, tell your other neighbor it's about to pop off. Sorry, I get excited. It's the cool church. As I sought the Lord and I, sought, and I, and I, and I really prayed, 
I looked at, at the scriptures and I felt the Spirit of God lead me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 2, the book of Ezekiel chapter 2. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. I'm going to read just a few verses, really the whole chapter. Bear with me as we go into it and then we will dive into some exegetical synthesis. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak with you. We could stop right there. Uh, God says to the prophet, son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak with you. Please pay attention to the text whenever God tells you to stand up. Whenever God tells you, therefore, whenever God has an exclamation, whenever God engages you in just a, a, a dialogue, he's physically telling them to stand up. Pay attention. Don't drift. I need 100% of your attention. He says this, as he spoke to me, the spirit entered me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me, and then he said to me, Son of man, I'm sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people, to have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. I am sending you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, as for them. And whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, neither fear them nor fear their words. Though thistles and thorns are with you as you sit on scorpions, neither fear their words nor be dismayed at their presence. For they are a rebellious house. But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. No notice how many times he says rebellious in the paragraph. He says, now you son of man, listen to what I'm speaking to you. Do not be rebellious like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I'm giving you. And then I looked and behold, a hand was extended to me and lo, a scroll was in it. And when he spread it out before me, it was on the front and it was on the back. Written on it were lamentations, mourning, and woe. And may the Lord add an anointing to the reading of his word. As I sought the face of God. And I started to ponder the things that we had been going through in our own ministry. And I started to think about sanctuary fellowship and the journey. It brought me to the prophet Ezekiel. If I could put a label to this, if I could put a title to this, it would be a shepherd must be found faithful. A shepherd must be found faithful. A shepherd does not need to be perfect. A shepherd needs to be faithful because to truthfully say that someone's perfect, there's only one perfect person and that was Jesus Christ. But understanding in context what we just read, Israel, the year is 597 B.C., Israel is now going into exile under King Nebuchadnezzar. Not because Nebuchadnezzar was just evil and fallen and just a pagan king, though he was, but Israel got into this situation because of their rebellion against God got into this situation because in context, they had turned their hearts away from the Lord. And the consequences, matter of fact, let's unpack that. You do know there are consequences when you turn your heart away from God. You do know that sooner or later, you play enough with fire, you're going to get burned. Let me speak over here because these guys will sleep on that side. You do know that if you play with God and have one foot in the church and one foot out the church, sooner or later... One of those sides is going to slap you hard. Sooner or later, you're going to find yourself in a situation that is bigger than you, where you can't turn to mommy, you can't turn to Wella, you can't turn to Titi, you can't turn to nobody else but God. And so now Israel finds themselves in exile. And what does God do? 
He calls a prophet to go and shepherd them in context with them in exile. He sends somebody to be with them as they're under the oppression of a pagan king. As you continue to read this, it's at the river called Kabar where God starts to deal with Ezekiel and really starts to call him to task. But he turns around and he encourages the prophet Ezekiel, which his name means what? God is strong. And he turns around and he tells him, no matter what these people say to you, no matter how rebellious they are, no matter how they turn on you, no matter how they walk out on you, no matter how many times they throw your name through the mud, no matter how hypocritical they are, you speak my word. You release the truth. You love them. You hold them down. You intercede for them. You pray for them. You stand for them. You fight for them. You don't fight with them. You see, that's the key, church. That's the key. You know, we're in an age where the word pastor doesn't mean much in ministries today. It seems like everybody's becoming a pastor. Nobody's going through the process. People want to run for the call, but they ain't got the character. Can I kick this thing? Come on, somebody. Can I kick it? You know, there's a lot of people because it looks easy when PJ come up here and drop a word. Come on. You got to preach and teach and pastor in this church. You, you, you need to appreciate what you have. Matter of fact, you sit in this context of ministry long enough, you get a little distorted. Somebody asked me why. Because the word in this house is solid. The theology in this house is solid. Doctrine is solid. So when you go to a house where it's not solid, you be like, I can't stay up in here, dog. This guy don't know what he's talking about. I got to be out. You see, you stand on some good, you stay under some good teaching long enough, you can't be under a weak teacher. You go to a service where all they're doing is making noise, when they're going, ha, ah, and you leave the service, and you don't know what they said. This side just woke up. Can I kick it? Once you get back, once you get past the bells and the whistles and the shiny lights and the pastor worship and the denominational worship, and it's a sad thing, PJ, sad thing, but Pastor Michelle, there are so many people today that people are falling in love with their churches, but not, not Jesus. They're falling in love. Come on. They're falling in love. They're falling in love. With, with, with their worship style, but their worship is not in spirit and truth, it's shallow. They're falling in love with a charismatic demeanor, but they themselves have no depth in the word of God. Come on, they take one sentence out of context, start an entire theological construct, misapply it, then want to be called a prophet or, or a bozo or something, and they want to go start a church. Come on, I'm a, I may never get invited again, but I'm going to say what I got to say, and you know what I'm saying? Carmen, get the car running. I told Carmen, Carmen, get the car running. <laughs> Ezekiel gets called. He gets sent into a context of exile. Why is, that, why is that something to consider? Why is that something to consider as you read the text? Because, because God does not want those that are going into captivity to be receiving a word in an abstract sense where they're hearing it from somebody that doesn't understand their oppression. Amen. Someone that doesn't understand their brokenness. Someone that doesn't understand how jacked up their situation really is. I love little brother's testimony. You was jacked up from the flow up. And in spite of all the jacked up brokenness you had, unconditional love is what was extended to you. 
Let me give you the why. Let me give you the why. The why is because PJ and Pastor Michelle done been jacked up themselves. Because I remember when you started this church, dog. Can I kick it? You see, in my church, I told you this was the South Bronx session of the service. You see, in my church, when I say, can I kick it, the church says, yes, you can. Can I kick it? Come on, can I kick it? I remember when Pastor George walked in the harvest and I was the associate pastor over there. I remember them days, dog. I remember when Pastor George and Michelle and Mark and Sal and everybody else walked up in there limping and dragging and all messed up because of what they was going through in ministry. I remember how the church betrayed you. I remember how the church talked about you. I remember how the church left you wounded, dying on the side, and didn't prophesy life but prophesied death. Come on, can I kick it? Yes, Got quiet up in here, didn't it? You see, it looks easy when y'all walk into a warehouse and the lights is on and the wall's been pushed back and we got these pretty little light bulbs back here and we got all these iPads up in here. Where y'all think that come from? Where y'all think that come from? That comes from their brokenness. I understand that it was the community's tithes and offerings that paid for it. You see, but it was their brokenness that bought it. Just in case you dropped the check and you think you did your service. You see, y'all ain't get here by osmosis. You got here because there was a pastor that was broken and rejected and kicked out. And they took your Mac. I'll never forget that day. And they took his Mac. Woo! I'm going to tell you, ain't ministry hard, Joe? Amen. George, ain't ministry hard? They said, oh, really? You got a calling. That Mac is mine. That Bible is mine. I'll holler at you, dog. You can leave with what you came in with, your clothes and your wife. And your kids. And he was wounded. And not that he's Jesus, but he was wounded. See, I was with him long enough to know that. I looked at him and I said, man, Pastor Mitch, who's this guy? That's my boy, dog. Pray his strength in the Lord. Pray for all of them because they got a calling on them. And because they were honest about their calling, they were rejected and they had, their, they had, their, they had a dream. And then somebody threw them in a wet, stinking hole. You see, but they didn't get sold into slavery. They held on to the dream. <laughs> You see, PJ and those generational pastors that are here, Pastor Bert Boca Chica and his whole family, and I, I'm looking, there's a generational anointing in this church. When you got your pastors and their kids and their kids' kids and they're all worshiping, understand that that's not, that's not mass lunacy. That's God's choreography. That's God doing something in context. That is God doing something in context. What's beautiful about the, the call to the to shepherd in exile is this, is that God is a God that meets us in our brokenness. You see, many people don't know this, but, you know, Ezekiel specifically, his name means what? God is strong. And it's, there are 65 variations of God telling Israel through Ezekiel through the entire book, I am God, acknowledge me. 65 different ways in the original tongue God is saying to those that are in captivity and in oppression and in brokenness acknowledge me see me know me feel me be with me I want you I love you I need you I'm with you I want you I've called you 
How does God do that? How does God meet us in our brokenness? He meets us through people. He meets us through circumstances. Your pastors meet you. All six of these pastors that have been called here, they meet you in your context because they've been broken. They make it look easy. And the worship is popping in this place, dog. Just let me tell you. Y'all need to appreciate what you got. Because I remember when I started my church, I had one string and a banjo on my knee. And the brother that was singing couldn't sing to save his life or mine. And so I had to, come on, can I kick this thing? Right? People want to plant a church, they think it's sexy. It's sexy to plant a church today. But it ain't sexy when you go through that church planting beatdown. Come on, somebody. Right? Matter of fact, all those that are pastors today, they call beatdowns to be in that place. You know, and I love when somebody comes to our church of promise and they say, Pastor Mike, God has called me. I want to be just like you. First thing I, you already know, this, 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 this side of the church is on fire. <sighs> the anointing. Flesh and blood did not reveal that, but the spirit of God. Let's pray that these folks find revival on this side of the church. When somebody tells me in my church, Pastor Gary, when they say, Pastor Mike, I got a calling, I want to be just like you. I said, no, you don't, dog. First of all, I back up. Second of all, I look at him and his, or her in her eyes just straight down. You don't want to do this, dog. You ain't ready. You ain't ready. Are you ready to be betrayed? Are you ready to love people and give them all and them still walk out on you? Are you ready to be the person that opens up and closes up? Are you ready? Are you ready to not know whether you're going to pay your rent or pay the church building rent? Come on, can I kick it? Are you ready? Are you ready to put your house, get a second financing mortgage so you can turn around and find the money to expand the church building? Are you ready? Are you ready to embrace those that are coming from other churches that have scars? And they, 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 have, bad, they have bad theology and they have bad shipwrecks and crashes that they've had in their life. Are you ready to receive the person that's going to walk into your church with a beard and a set of breasts? Can I kick it? Are you ready to receive the person that refuses to take off their hat? Because that's just where they at. And not judge them. And not get legalistic on them. And tell them some nonsense that's not even biblical. Like, like when the trumpet blows, you better have that three-piece suit and shoes on. Ridiculous! When the trumpet blows, your heart better be dressed right in the presence of God. This I just woke up, George. Revival's on that side of the church. I don't know who said it. I don't know who said it. But somebody said, I don't know if you noticed, but we're not the common, was it? We're not the, what, the, 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 the what? The traditional church. I noticed when I walked up in here, Jack. <laughs> when I walked up in here and my man with the jersey said, oh, oh, you the preacher, right? I was like, yeah, I think so. I, <laughs> I mean, I ain't know, you know what I'm saying? I told my son, I said, be careful, dog. This guy looks kind of. Come on, man. Let me be transparent. Can I get transparent, friend? Come on, somebody. God got me preaching in all these reform contexts all over the country now. And so now I walk into folk, they don't look like me no more. I'm walking into folk, I'm the brownest thing in the room. They don't believe in the charismatic, prophetic manifestations. They're all reform, capital R. So, you know, I walk up in there, I start preaching. And they're like saying, man, this guy's really Pentecostal-like. I said, no, I'm Pentecostal. Amen. 
and I believe in all the gifts and the manifestation thereof. And I believe that the gifts are not just for the first century church, but they are for the empowering of the church today. And I believe in miracles, signs, and wonders. And because I believe in miracles, signs, and wonders, I'm going to have that hood rat, capital H, capital R, greeting at the church. I'm going to have that person that's a lesbian, trisexual, transgender in the middle of the church. Because that's where they should be. Not stoned by the church, but loved by the church. Can I kick it? I'm going to have that homeless person sitting right there, fleas and all, right there in the front. Hug them and spray them while I'm hugging them. In the name of Jesus. Girl, don't worry about them clothes. We're going to buy you all new clothes, girl. Don't worry about it. We got you. Ezekiel is doing ministry in context. Ezekiel is in oppression with 3,000 other Jews looking at them fall to pieces as they've lost their temple, as they've lost their community, as they've lost their identity, and they're not being oppressed. Church, what's oppressing you this morning? And understand this, that God has chosen six couples to meet you in context. God has chosen people, shepherds, if you will, and they're not perfect, but they have been faithful. He says 65 different times, 65 different ways. Listen to me. Our God is a God that he speaks English, Spanish, everything. And he meets you and he talks to you. And how does he love you? I love this guy's living letter to you. IRS had him backed up. He was evicted. Woo, it don't get no worse than that. I'm thinking about jumping off the bridge. You know, I know what that feels like. Because just a year and a half ago, I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning and the house next door blew up into my house. Burnt from the floor down to the ground. From the, from the roof, from the ceiling all the way down to the ground. And I'm a pastor. And I've been serving God. And I'm saying, Lord, I've been faithful. Lord, why does this happen to me? My wife is crying. My kids are crying. I'm looking at everything that God has given me over the last two decades go up in smoke, and I don't have a theology to wrap around it. I don't have a text to wrap around it. And I was so lost, and I was so broken. I questioned my call. I questioned where I was at. I questioned everything. And that first day, it was crazy. They interviewing me at 3 o'clock in the morning. I smell like smoke. My teeth ain't in my mouth. <laughs> Camera was this close to my face, y'all. My front is in the house burning up. <laughs> this close to my face. I'm glad you find my pain is so humorous. But that second day, that second day, that first week, God met me. And it was your pastor who came with Pastor Mark. Pastor Mark even brought his kids in the car. I don't know if Pastor Mel was with him or not. He met me in my brokenness. I hadn't spoken to him in I don't know how many months before that. 
We've always had this sort of weird Puerto Rican and Cuban relationship. <laughs> Somos Latino, pero you know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't see each other for a minute. Come on, somebody, don't look at me like I'm crazy. Who got friends like that up in here? Come on, right? Come on, Goyko, right? Who got friends like that up in here? You ain't seen them in a hot minute. Then they pop up and you pick off the conversation right where you left off? Come on, sister, I know what you're talking, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Pastor Mark and George walk in the house. You know, he's so stoic, you know what I mean? He just, you can tell he's a great poker player. Have you played poker? Sometimes I don't know how to read him. You know, I'm so emotionally Puerto Rican that I'm just like, my feelings are just all over the place. Mark, you're the Italian, right? So you're like, yeah, I'm with you, brother. I'm telling him what happened. Pastor, you know, PJ's always posting and profiling. Come on. <laughs> Not, I can see he's emotional with me, but he ain't showing, he refused. It's that Cuba thing, you know what I mean? He's like, yo, dog, right, I'm with you, dog. Mark is on the floor with me. Oh my God, I can't believe this. You serious, yo? Mark, Mark got poses like this. Remember that? In the living room, I'm on the stool. Broken, messed up. Only thing I got left from my life is this wallet. And I pull that out and it's still smoking. <laughs> and your church took an offering and met me and helped me and loved me. He didn't pull out a little calculator and said, you know, I ain't spoke to you in 345 days. <laughs> he met me. He loved me. He mourned with me. He prayed with me in my context of sorrow. Ezekiel is told to eat this scroll. One translation says that it was bitter and then it was sweet. Another translation just says it was sweet as honey. But this call, is it not beautiful and sweet as honey, George? As God does what he does and we see the transformative, redemptive work of the Holy Spirit and the lives of the people that, are called to, to, that we're called to steward and to serve. It's not a beautiful thing, it's sweet, but sometimes this call is bitter. You know, to be a Christian today in this postmodern context, in this postmodern era, is harder than hard. Y'all need to know this because we've been saying this for years. We're not, we're not waiting for the last days to come. We're in the last days. They're crucifying children in the Middle East. They're raping and killing women, branding them in Arabic with the letter N because of their attachment to the Nazarene. During the last days. And in the last days, we have this promise in the text that in the last days, he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. In the last days, we'll see signs and wonders, and people will dream dreams. In the last days, there will be a revival that rocks this world. And it's a church like this one that's going to rock the boat. Even though the world will tell us, rock the boat, don't rock the boat, baby. Tip the, don't tip the boat over. Any grown folk in the house, remember that grown folk? Put your hand up. Where's the 40 and up club? George, put your, both your hands up, George. Don't front. Put both your hands up, George. Michelle, smack them. Remember those days? Rock the boat. That was music back then, y'all. Can I kick it? 
<laughs> it's a church like this that's non-traditional, that's peculiar, Bertie. Bert Boca Chica's in the house. Oh, I know Bert. Too long, dog. I know that brother. We all gray now, Bert. Bert, what happened to us? Bert, you got thin. I got big. What's up, man? I, I know this brother 150 pounds ago, y'all. I used to look like that. A church like this that really believes in come as you are. A church like this that accepts those, loves those. But then, you know what? I love the fact, I love the theology that was unpacked by the family, or Pastor Marks, the marriage ministry. I wasn't planning on getting married. The Bible, he didn't say, she didn't say, Pastor Mark put me on discipline. No, you're going to keep going to Pastor Mark. And that word's going to keep being spoken into your life. Because sooner or later, the word does something to us. Changes us. No matter how hard our heart is. Somebody say amen. amen. Have you ever walked in a church with an attitude as big as a building? And then listen to Brother Goyko start to do the worship. And that building starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then you leave the church, and by the time you're walking out that door, you ain't the same person that walked in. By a show of hands, how many have had that experience here? Well, that, the whole church, let the record reflect. Let the record reflect. Can I tell you that last week in our ministry, there were several blows that came to us. Blows that as a senior pastor, it's heartbreaking, confusing, crashing. But I had to hold on to the rock that does not move and does not change. And so when I walked in this morning, I told, I told PJ straight up, dog, you don't even know what's popping in my life. I'm here to give you glory in your ministry while my ministry's falling to pieces, Jack. He said, God is good. And then I said, thanks for sharing, PJ. And then I turned around and I walked into that worship. Y'all started singing that song. I felt like I was in an elevation video, you know what I'm saying? Hill songs. You guys have a prophetic nuance and a consciousness that's been realized. I don't even know if you realize what you have. I don't even know if you realize how heavy the hand of God is upon your ministry. I don't know if you realize that. God wanted me to tell the pastor of this church that God has seen your sufferings. God has seen your brokenness. God has seen you open your own house to people that you don't really know, but you love them in Jesus' name. God has seen your tears for your daughters and seen you crushed to stand by your wife in the hardest of times. God has seen Michelle's brokenness and he's heard her prayers. And to every pastor, I say the same exact thing. I know that if you was in your right mind, you wouldn't have chose this position. I know that if you had anything to do with what was really going to happen and what it was really going to take to be a pastor in any church, you would run from that and would not want to do it because the call breaks you. It doesn't just make you. You see, the people come with their brokenness, and in the context of our own brokenness, in the context of our own woundedness, we've got to try to heal you while we ourselves are still in the process of being healed. We've got to love you when we ourselves are looking for the affirmation and the love of our Father as well. Those that are really called to the pastorate, I've learned this over two decades, George. I've learned this in doing national ministry. I've learned this. Those that are really called don't want it. 
And you don't understand that until you get to the place where those that are really called, they say, nah, dog, that's all right, I'll holler. <laughs> you must be calling her. You ain't calling me. <laughs> I don't want it. Nope, that's all right. Thanks. But what happens is that God's, God's call on you, wherever you go, every time you open your mouth, even when you try to hide, any believers know what I'm talking about up in here? Even when I tried to hide from God, even in my darkness, he's the light. Even in my darkness, he's met me and pulled me out of some things. And as he started to pull me out of those things, Pastor Mark, there were other people watching my life. And as I was getting pulled out, unbeknownst to me, they were getting pulled out too. And so Ezekiel is the prophet that is called God is strong, church, because God is strong enough to send strong men and women of God into your life to speak truth, to love you, to pray for you, to hold you down. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but this portion of the message is for you and not the pastors. Do not give up. Do not run. Do not quit. God is strong enough to handle your problem. He loves you. He's with you. He's with you. I don't care who's walking out on you. Listen to me. People in this life will walk out on you. And at the end of the day, it's not about them. It's about him. Part two to the church. Part two, I heard a lecture. Gordon Conwell Seminary, theological. Somebody or other was talking. The brother says this. A word from God. A word from God, George. In every church, there are two tunes being sung. There is the homily that's coming from the river that never stops flowing through God. Then there's the homily. There's another tune that's being sung. And it only starts with one person. It's, it's, the, it's the tune of criticism. And what happens is that we're not careful and we're not under the anointing. We will allow criticism to sound louder, to sing louder, to be stronger than what God wants to do in a context and you need to be very careful, church. And those of you that have been walking around seeing all the negativity, seeing all, all, the, all the things that are wrong, seeing all the ministry mishaps and the mistakes, see, to you everything is favoritism. To you everything is, well, how come I didn't get what she got? Well, how come he's got it and I didn't get it? Those of you that are seeing all the negative, you need to repent, turn your heart back to God, and guess what? Focus on the word of God. And before you throw a big rock from a glass house, you better check yourself before God wrecks you. Because that, that choir of criticism will destroy all that God has for you. And these critics, it just oozes out of them. They say it in front of new believers, old believers, backslidden believers, returning believers. They, they don't care. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, it's what's in your heart. And I'm here to tell you, I've had to deal with this in the church. And I have seen the word of mouth destroy what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. I've seen ministries crash and burn because people walked in rebellion and hardness of heart. And I'm here to tell you, and I, let me just say this. I get one more person to tell me in, in my life. One more person to tell me, you know, Pastor Mike, I think we're doing this wrong. And I say, well, before my eyebrow starts twitching, Did you pray? Not yet? Oh. Have you sought the scriptures to? No, not yet? Have you been a pastor before? 
That side caught it. All the pastors are sitting over there. <laughs> have you been a pastor before? Have you been an executive director, a CEO? Have you started a school before? Before you throw that rocket from that glass house you're living in? Before you tell me I'm doing everything wrong. Did you pray before you brought me this word of criticism? And you call it constructive. I say it's hurtful. Now, feedback and analysis, that's, that's, that's healthy. But criticism and gossip, that's not of God. And all the good that's happening here can easily stop. It just takes one person. Something happens. Something happens when we inject negativity into what God is doing. First of all, the spirit of God is grieved. Can I kick this? The next thing you do, you're turning on each other. Then after you stop turning on each other, you stop coming and you stop attending. Then after that, in this new postmodern age, you start posting on Facebook ridiculous stuff. Come on, can I kick it? If I had a nickel for every time somebody posted some, something, first of all, it's Facebook. You got something to say? Go back to Matthew 18. Don't say it in public. Don't tiralo en directa. Come out and be a man or a woman. And... Come on, you grown. You grown. You grown. People say, oh, I'm grown. But you ain't say it to me. Fulano de Tang from another church called me to tell me what you just posted on Facebook. That ain't grown. That's passive-aggressive. That's immature. That's not biblical. Matter of fact, that's sin. Now, mind you, you got the right to your Facebook, but then they would upset when I delete you. Because, you know, sometimes God cleans house not just in the church, PJ, but sometimes he cleans house on Facebook. Delete, 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 delete. And then, you know what's really funny? Somebody asked me what? Somebody say, what? what? Those people always want to hit you in the inbox. Why'd you delete me? <laughs> Who can testify? Put your hands up. Who can testify? Matter of fact, Facebook done got so fleshy, I'm ready to go back to MySpace. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ezekiel's called to be prophetic. In a situation of captivity, in a situation of brokenness for the nation, he is called not to be perfect, but to be faithful. And George and Michelle and those who have been here 17, 18 years have been found faithful. Amen. We don't honor man today. We honor what God is doing inside of man today. And as the under-shepherd of this church, please understand, you don't really understand until you're a senior pastor and you got to deal with the burdens of a people yourself. But please understand that while he's counseling your kids, who's counseling his kids? Please understand while he's speaking life into your marriage, who's speaking life into his marriage? Please understand that as people are working out on you, they're also working out on him. Please understand that not everybody can do what PJ does because he makes it look so easy. He's got a swag that is peculiar. This whole church does. I wish I could take Goiko, put him in my back pocket whenever I got hard times. Sing, brother, sing. I would make him a bobblehead in my car and press the Goiko on button. 
Can I kick it? I wish I could listen. If, if I wasn't called to be at a church, that would be my pastor right there. Your pastor would be my pastor. If I wasn't called. Because I can listen to him teach and preach all day long. All day long. I come here, I got to buy new clothes though. I can't mess with y'all. I got to go back shopping. Bert, I'm up in here. I almost put on a faja this morning, brother. I was just done. Can Somebody going to go back home and say, yo! <laughs> Pastor Mike wearing a fire, y'all. <laughs> a shepherd is to be found faithful. Faithful with the infrastructure and the organization and the discernment of those that are called to lead. Faithful with praying and fasting and preaching and teaching. Do you understand how hard it is to preach and teach when you got an attitude and got life happening in your life? Come on, somebody. You ever turn around on the way to church? I know you can testify. You ever got, you woke up early in the morning, I'm going to worship God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. By the time you got to the elevator, you was dropping MFs and F-bombs all over the place. I'm sorry, maybe that's just a South Bronx church thing. Maybe they don't do that up here on St. Peter's Avenue. Who knows what I'm talking about? Put your hand up. Don't you think that happens to pastors? What do you think we do? Scramble eggs and then pray that they would be resurrected from being scrambled? What do you think we do when we stub our toe at 3 o'clock in the morning? You think we start speaking in tongues? I don't start going, untie my bow tie, I lost the keys to my Honda. I yell and I tell Liz, Liz, who put this couch here? And then my wife, under the anointing of God, comes out and tells me, brother, that couch been here 10 years. And I'm going back to bed to pray for you. Because obviously, ain't you preaching in two hours? Oh, really? Oh. Uh. When I miss my flight, what you think I do? Father, bless Delta Airlines. Come on, can I kick this thing? Let me go to the bodega and ask for coffee light and sweet. And I get dark and, and not sweet. When I go, bless the Lord, what is going on? I've got life happening too. But when I come to serve my God, Father, all that matters is what you've called me to do and how to love these people, hold these people, speak of life to these people, bless these people. Michelle and George had life happening when they were called to start this church. And I can remember us having a pastor's meeting and saying, Pastor Mitchell saying, under the anointing, I thought this was cold-blooded too, Jack, but it was God. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. <laughs> Edit this from the video. <laughs> My bishop at the time turns around and tells me what? God said don't help them because he's going to help them. And I said, huh? He said, no. If we help, we get in the way of what God wants to do in them. Pray for them. Give them a context. Watch how God is going to move through them. Guess what? He was right. Because look where we're at today, right now, this moment. 
It takes a discerning ear to when no not to get involved and to pray. Thank God. Thank God we didn't enable you or baby you. He has been found faithful, not perfect, because he's made mistakes. But he's the apple of God's eye. And you don't get to this place just because you got swag. You get to this place because God is with you. Bless your pastors. Love your pastors. Support your pastors. Don't betray them with your mouth. Don't be passive aggressive. If you have ought, tell them in love. Be biblical, church. I may never come back. But I will have been faithful with what God told me to tell you. These shepherds in this house, thank God for them. Because they're peculiar. They're not like everybody else. They're the ones that God has handpicked for you. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. God bless you. God. <laughs> Come on, just bless Pastor Mike again for that sermon slash comedy. I mean, <laughs> hallelujah. Pastor Mike, just on, uh, just on another note. Um, I got to say, um, you're one of the pastors that I can listen to speak all the time, all day. Man. Only because you're a pastor in this season, in this time, and in my life, that also meets us where we are. Right here, right in the Bronx, at this location, what God is doing. So we want to just pray over you and your congregation right now. And can everybody just extend their hands toward Pastor Mike, his son, and we just want to pray over their, their family. Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for you have found a faithful servant, oh God. Father, even though he brought a message, Father, to encourage another house, other pastors, Father, but at the same time, Father, you were doing something in, in his heart, Father. You were strengthening. You were, you were adding, oh God, Father. And the words that he spoke forth, Father, was that even much more relevant in his life, Father, and where he is at right now, oh God. Father, it's funny. Sometimes we go to bless somebody else, but just listening to ourselves, Father, we hear that it's a word from God that you're using us to speak to us oh God so father I thank you for the faithfulness Lord I thank you for all that he's poured out father for all that he has planted father for you have not you have not turned father but Lord I pray that he would begin to walk in the fruit of his labor oh God Father, that today would be exact an exact turnaround from whatever situation oh God. Father, because you are faithful, Lord. Father, you call faithful men, Father, because you have been faithful. You have been the ultimate example, oh God. And all you ask is that we look at you. All you ask is that we follow you, oh God. You don't ask us to be, to be perfect, oh God. 
You just ask us just to be faithful to you, oh God, and you will do the rest. And Pastor Mike has been that faithful, has been that one called. You have surely given him a word for this generation and for these end times, oh God. So I pray, Father, for the boldness, Father, to continue to come forth in this message. I pray for that anointing and the prophetic call, Father, that whenever he speaks, oh God, <laughs> that demons would tremble, oh God. Father, because he is not afraid of the truth, oh God. So, Father, we pray, Lord, for his church family, oh God, for the, for the pastors in his church, Father. Lord, we pray for everything that they're doing, oh God. As they remain faithful, you continue to add and add, oh God. <laughs> Father, and most of all, we pray for peace and happiness in his life and in his marriage, oh God, and in his children, oh God. Father, that they would continue to hold this man of God up, Lord. Father, that he would never fall and bruise his, his back, Father, Lord, but he would always fall in the palm of your hand, oh God. So we thank you once again for Pastor Mike. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can we just stand out of the church today? Hallelujah. I just want to dismiss you here. There's nothing left to say, nothing left to sing other than just leave this place with a good word in our heart, you know. Have you been fed today, family? Come on. <laughs> oh, we have. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for everything, Father, all that you orchestrated for this particular day, oh God, all that you brought here to hear this particular message, to engage in this kind of worship, Father, to be loved in this kind of way, oh God. Father, we pray, Lord, that they would leave here with abundance, Father. Lord, that they would leave here not what they came, Father, Father, but with more, Father. Lord, that they would leave here, Father, with more added to them, oh God, but not to hoard, Father, but to give, to give, to give, God. Father, because when we approach your glory, when you pour into us, we just want to be a vessel that we can pour out, oh God. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that throughout this week, Lord, your word would settle, settle. Father, that we would be see the fruit of this word, Father, given today, being lived out in the life of your people, oh God. And most of all, Father, we call them blessed, Lord, because you are blessed. So continue to be a blessing. Have an amazing week in the Lord. Traveling mercies to you. God bless you. Louis?